Main Street to Wall Street. Global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. To succeed in both athletics and business, it takes passion, drive, and determination. I'm excited to be speaking today to a true powerhouse in both fields. You may know my next guest from his days in the NFL or being the middle of five athletically trained brothers, but let me tell you, there's so much more to this guy than meets the eye. My guest today is Chris Gronkowski. He's a force to be reckoned with both on and off the field. As a former pro athlete, he has taken that same fire, intensity, and grit and is bringing that to the world of business. And wow, has that been making an impact. Chris is the mastermind and CEO behind the Ice Shaker brand. What started as a simple idea turned into a full-blown sensation, even catching the eye of some sharks on Shark Tank. Chris is not afraid to go after those big, audacious goals and tackle any challenge in his way and has an entrepreneurial spirit that makes him a true game changer. Let's find out what it takes that sets him apart. Chris, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, Chris, first of all, I got to ask you about your journey in the NFL as an NFL player. What led you to pursue a career in professional football? Man, uh, there's something I didn't think I would actually have an opportunity to do. Um, I was told since I was little that it was a, a one in a million shot. And I had two brothers that were a lot better players than me. So uh, my chances were pretty slim. I went into college thinking, hey, if I can get a scholarship and get the best degree that I could, that would be a huge win for me. So I did get that opportunity. And then later in my career in college, uh, I started playing. I started uh, getting out on the field and some scouts started to notice and um, didn't get drafted, but I did go undrafted uh, to the Dallas Cowboys. And I had really one shot to uh, make the team. And if you want motivation, the ultimate motivation is having everyone in your family get drafted except for you. Uh, so my oldest brother got drafted uh, into the MLB. My second oldest brother got drafted uh, to the Lions the previous year. And my younger brother, that same season or that same draft class as me, got drafted in the second round. So uh, for me, it was kind of a, a no options mentality. I had to make a team or I was going to hear about it for the rest of my life. So uh, <laughs> Man, mindset was was there, and I did everything I could that season to make that roster. You know, but not being a drafted player, but you still made it. I got to imagine your brothers really thought that was pretty special, too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the odds against making a team after not going drafted uh, are, are very slim. I think it was over 10 years that a, an undrafted player had made the Dallas Cowboys roster. So it was a massive accomplishment. And uh, as brothers, we were all just so proud of each other. So they definitely supported me. Uh, we talked through camp. We talked, um, you know, all the time. A lot of times, like after practice through video games, we just jump on and, and kind of check in on each other. So uh, always supported each other throughout our entire careers. Did you ever have a doubt about it? Absolutely. Every day. Uh, it was one of the most stressful careers you could possibly have as a bubble player. I know people say it must be fun playing a game for a living. Uh, for me, every day could have been my last day. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that if you come late one minute, uh, you're fined $1,000. Uh, if you're one pound overweight, you get charged. It was $520 per pound per day uh, if you were overweight. 
but for me, it was, you're probably getting cut as well. You're probably not going to have a job tomorrow if you show up late today. So uh, it was a, it was a job that I didn't know if tomorrow would be uh, still available. So I, I look at you and I can't imagine you being overweight. So was that an issue for you? I was an underweight guy. Uh, ever since college, I had to actually go in and uh, my college strength coach made me drink a 2000 calorie protein shake every morning uh, just to keep my weight up. So it was a struggle uh, to actually maintain the weight uh, that I had to have to perform. I couldn't go in there uh, 10 pounds less than the linebacker that I'm trying to block up the middle because uh, he's just going to be put, putting me on my back and driving me backwards. So uh, I had to do everything I could to keep weight. What what inspired you to transition from being a pro football player to starting your own business? What what gave you that idea? Yeah, it was never really a thought of mine. Uh, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, watching my dad build his own business. 32 years later, he's one of the largest fitness distributors, but it never really hit me that that was going to be me uh, doing something similar. So actually three seasons in, three different cities, and my, my wife was like, I don't want to go for another job interview. I got to figure out a way to work from home. So uh, she started her own business. She was doing hand painting wine glasses. I came home. I, I didn't think it was the greatest idea in the world, uh, but they started to sell and they started to do really well. So after my third year, I was in between contracts. I started really looking into it and started working with her and realized there was a really good opportunity. So my first business started with my wife, uh, did that for about five years. The crazy part was we were, we were making more money than my NFL career was. But at the end of the day, we were doing something that was her passion and wasn't mine. Uh, hand painting wine glasses, making wedding gifts, uh, working in in the the event space really wasn't my idea of what I was going to be doing after my NFL career. And about five years into that was when I thought of this idea for a way to get myself back into the space that I loved, which was sports and fitness and working out. And uh, that's when I thought of the idea for a company called Ice Shaker. So what were the biggest challenges that you faced during this transition? I mean, moving from pro athlete to pro business, so to speak. It's tough. A lot of guys struggle with it. Uh, that's your identity. That's what you've done your whole life. I, I mean, I played football uh, since high school. A lot of guys played since, you know, since middle school. So uh, to lose that identity is tough. And then to kind of figure out what you want to do next is, is hard as well. Uh, you haven't really planned or trained for that. And now you're also kind of behind uh, as well, because you're coming out for me, I was I was 26 years old at that point uh, when I was leaving the NFL and I was looking for for something new to do at that point. Uh, so that's that's the struggle. That's the struggle. A lot of guys in the, in the military see as well. Uh, and and we align well with them. And we've done a lot with the military uh, as well to try to support them through that transition. But transition's real. Um, I got lucky. I, I tell people all the time that I got super lucky that my wife started this other company because I jumped right into it and all my time was then put into that. You know, I wasn't really worrying about, Hey, what if I go try out for another team? Uh, you know, this guy's not as good as I was. Maybe I should try one more time. Instead, all my time and effort went right into this new business, uh, which really helped me transition seamlessly. And then what lessons did you learn from your wife's business that took you forward? Oh man, there's, there was a lot. Uh, first thing that I learned was that money isn't everything. Uh, it was an engraving business where the more time I spent engraving, the more money I made. Uh, I, I kind of had it down to a science where we were making a thousand dollars an hour if I was engraving certain items that we sold. And um, it was great. You know, I wake up though early 5 a.m. and I'd work till 10 p.m. I wake up again at 5 a.m. do the same thing. And 
finally came to the point um, when I finally learned the lesson that money isn't everything was on a Sunday. I was at a family party with her family and everyone was having a great time. I think it was a birthday party and I was sleeping on the couch. You know, I was absolutely exhausted. Uh, I couldn't even keep my eyes open and realized at that point that it's not just all about money. It's about relationships, living your life to the fullest. And um, at that point, I realized that I had to build a team. You know, I had to start bringing in employees, moving out of the house and getting an actual location so we could bring people in and start building a team so that I wasn't just doing all the work myself. Well, great lesson that money isn't everything, but right now money is something. I need to take a break and talk to our sponsors. We'll be right back after this break. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back and I'm talking to Chris Gronkowski and he is the CEO and founder of the Ice Shaker. We're going to be talking a little bit about his experience with the Shark Tank and of course some of those brothers that he's had that's helped him along the way and maybe a few of them had even gotten in the way from time to time. We'll talk about that too as brothers sometimes can or family can. So Chris, I want to ask you, how do you feel your experience as a professional athlete's influenced your approach to entrepreneurship and business? Has the training, the the, the the rigorous stuff that you had to go through as an athlete paid off in being an entrepreneur? I, I definitely think it got me prepared for it. As an entrepreneur, what you put in is normally what you get out as well, uh, just like training and, and getting ready for the NFL and for uh, just for a big season coming up. So uh, you're waking up early, you're grinding it out, you're trying to figure things out. Uh, and a lot of it also comes down to teamwork. Uh, I didn't realize this when I first started the business, but uh, if you want to scale up, if you want to be a great company, if you want to win awards and championships, you have to have a great team as well. That's all aligned with the same mission. Now, it's very easy to walk into a locker room and everybody's there to win. But in business, it's not. It's not as easy. You have to build that culture. You have to really instill that and let people know how to win, how to get there and what you really what your goals are for this team there. So uh, I had to pull that out of my NFL career and really dig in deep and uh realized that there was a culture automatically built in there that I then had to figure out a way to build into my business. You know, I heard you speak at an event in Dallas and invited you to come on the show. And one of the things you talked about was one of the incentive plans that you had about making sure the product gets out on time and uh, with no flaws, no errors, those things. I thought that was an interesting team concept you came up to. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I reached out to my dad at one point, uh, you know, over 30 years in business. And I said, Dad, how do you keep everyone motivated? You know, it's it's a grind. Anything's a grind. Any job's tough. How do you keep them there for 30 plus years? A lot of my dad's people have been there for 20 plus years. Uh, and he said that it was always about putting together a great incentive plan that was also team focused. Uh, and when he said that, it just it, it kind of blew my mind. And uh, I said, Dad, how's that possible, though? Uh, you know, how can I incentivize every single person? He said, you know, you'll find a way. If you, if you want to find a way, you'll find a way. So I went back and I really thought about it. And um, for everyone working in the warehouse, I wanted to put something together that made them work together as a team. Uh, how it was currently set up before that was that, you know, if the mistake was made, uh, you would kind of point it out. You might write the person up. Uh, you might get mad at them. Uh, Ideally, you didn't want to fire them. Um, hopefully, it was just a one-off mistake, and nothing kind of happened after that. Uh, we created this incentive plan where for every single bottle that goes out of the warehouse, there's then uh, a value added to it. And then at the end of the, the month, if there was any errors, there was then values taken out of that pot. And then at the end, everyone split that pot up uh, between everyone that worked on anything that was going out of the warehouse. So 
for us, we had about nine or 10 people uh, at that time uh, that were splitting the pot up. And what we realized really quickly was that it held everyone accountable and everybody started working as a team. Uh, they started suggesting ways to, to do things better, do things quicker, to communicate better. Uh, and our mistakes went to almost zero, uh, almost overnight. Wow. And so even though we were paying our employees more uh, because this pot was in place, we were actually making more money and, and losing less uh, because they were paying attention to detail. And the one other thing that it really did was it kind of just um, held everyone accountable finally. You know, if you made a mistake, everyone knew about the mistake and you felt bad. Uh, you know, you felt bad that you kind of let your team down, just like I felt bad uh, when I was playing on an NFL team and I made a bad play. If I dropped that pass in the flat and I could have got a first down and all of a sudden we're putting now, you know, I'm really going to lock down. I'm going to take some extra uh, plays at the end of practice. I'm going to make sure I'm catching that ball every single time from that point forward. And that's kind of what we saw uh, with the business as well. People really locked in, focused, found ways to do it better and got better. And if they didn't, just like in the NFL team, uh, that person kind of pleased themselves, but they were gone, you know, just like I would have been if I kept dropping the pass, you know, I, I would have been gone that next week. So uh, same thing was happening. They would feel a lot of pressure from other people on the team. You know, not not that people were calling them out or, or saying anything or uh, making them feel bad about themselves, but you just automatically feel pressure to perform when you're in a team situation and you know you're letting your team down. Yeah, but when you have those programs, sometimes as I've done as well, sometimes they'll come to you and say, you know, to trade that guy off the team, get rid of him. <laughs> this guy is not bonus worthy. He should not be a part of the program. Or they question, hey, look, let's check him out or her out before we let them have part of the bonus package, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So everyone starts just kind of policing it themselves. And that culture really becomes very strong and, and it becomes a team. It really yeah. does feel like you're back in the locker room again. Yeah. Or as a rookie, man, they'll give you a hard time. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, you know, the feeling of that. So as an entrepreneur, what do you consider your most significant accomplishment so far or or maybe your greatest lesson that you've learned so far? Yeah. Uh, greatest accomplishment. I mean, early on, it was it was getting on Shark Tank and getting that massive win, uh, getting all yeah. five sharks to offer. That was that was absolutely huge, especially only being six months into the company. Um, after that, I mean, Mike, some of my greatest accomplishments now when I look back are uh, really putting together a strong plan, uh, budget, a forecast, uh, and really uh, during tough times during COVID, you know, 3Xing our profit in one year. Just absolutely wow. massive win. Uh, putting these these incentive programs in place were just absolutely massive win. Some of my favorite things that I've done and, and I tell people about all the time because I went from that guy that was just, you know, kind of frustrated. Um I didn't like disciplining people. I didn't like doing the quarterly reviews uh, to someone now that, again, just enjoys doing it. I started it because I loved doing this and and I love being, a, you know, going to the gym and, and crushing protein shakes. And that's kind of where it all started. And uh, then all of a sudden it became a job. It's now back to really enjoying what I'm doing because of the way that I structured the business and put the processes in place and the incentives in place that everything kind of pleases itself instead of me being the bad guy. Uh, you know, the, that kind of all happens on its own now. So uh, very, very proud of that aspect of the business as well. And um, overall, just one of my favorite wins from this year is getting the NFL licensing. So yeah. six and a half years. And, Big uh, win, man. Big win. It looks like we finally have it. Uh, we're in the process now of, of really putting together some really cool designs. And we're hoping to have them out uh, by the NFL season 
or at least by the by the end of this year so that we can still catch uh, the playoffs and kind of the end of the season as well. Congrats on that. And speaking about being a bad guy, sometimes I got to be a bad guy and I hate to take us away from this, but we need to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. All right, we are back and we're live right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazard on C-Suite Radio and C-Suite TV. I'm talking to Chris Gronkowski. He is the CEO and founder of Ice Shaker. And back in 2017, you brought the ice shaker into the shark tank. I'm telling you, right into the middle of chaos and everything else. By the way, I watched that episode just the other day, and you looked nervous. You looked a little nervous. Was it nervous for you? No, I, I think it's just like anything else. When you first get in there, they take those lights and, and the cameras, and they kind of move it around you, and they make you stand there for two minutes. So you know, those yeah. nerves build up, just like a football game where – I'm standing there opening kickoff. I'm ready to run down the field, but they haven't kicked the ball off yet. And then you go in there and you, you you lay somebody out. You get that first hit in, and then you're good. And for me, in the Shark Tank, I got through that first two minutes. My four brothers ran out of the back room. We did this flying chest bump. And then I think I was pretty good after that. Yeah. You got to be a little bit comfortable. How much prep work did you do? I mean, in terms of practice for that that two minutes for that pitch, because I'm telling you, man, that's on national television. You screw this up and you're, you're going to be the next, you know, viral video. Absolutely. Uh, I spent months. So it was probably about three months from the time I actually pitched uh, to be on the show to when I actually got the film for it. And that three months, I watched every single episode that had ever aired. I wrote down every question that every shark had ever asked. And I practiced the pitch nonstop. Uh, to people that were going to be my biggest critics, like uh, like my wife, for instance. And I wanted to really make sure that I had it down. Uh, the night before, I, I played a lot of flip cup because we played the Sharks in flip cup. And I had to make sure that that game was on point, too. So uh, it was a lot. It was a lot of prep. And at the end of the day, I mean, it pays off because yeah. you don't want to freeze. The last thing you want to do is go out there and freeze. And if you have it really down and you know what you're talking about, even if you get nervous, you're still going to be good. What did you think of the experience on the Shark Tank? What did you? What was the biggest, you know, big biggest takeaway for you? Oh, it was a massive win, absolutely massive win. The show's the real deal. They have no clue what your name is. Uh, walking out there, they have no clue what your business is, and you get out there, and it's the real deal. Like that's real money. It's really it comes down to their time as well. Their time is so valuable, so they're not going to waste their time on a product or person that they don't think is going to win. Uh, but the huge takeaway is the the massive exposure that you get from the show overnight. Uh, this great proof of concept, especially when all five sharks offer you, uh, you know, those sales just start flooding in and you can take that money, which is pretty much marketing dollars free, uh, high margin. And you could put that back into your company along with the, the actual investment from the sharks. And for us, that helped us grow significantly fast. I had one product, one color, one size. That was it. I had one skew when I got onto the show. And uh, over the next year, we had over 60 different skews. After that, we had over 150. And I didn't take a penny out of the company for over two and a half years. I just took all that money, put it back into the company and tried to grow it as fast as I possibly can. And without Shark Tank, that just would never have happened. You know, you had a, as you said, all five of the Sharks made an offer and uh, both Alex, I think it was Alex and and uh, Mark were the, were the finals. Both of them representing a basketball and baseball and of course you've got a lot of football background and of course with your brothers you got everything but basketball i think how how much did that play into the decision that was huge i went in there 
definitely wanted to be on Mark's team. Uh, I'd seen what he's done with other companies in the in the past. Alex was a question mark. Uh, he, he was a guest on the show. There was very little information on what he was doing after uh, his playing career. So it was tough to tell uh, exactly how he could help and what he could do. Uh, but he came on there and uh, he threw a good pitch at me as well. And uh, it looked like Mark really wanted to have him uh, a part of the deal as well. So uh, for me, it was huge to have the trifecta. You know, it was the big three sports uh, in the USA was was what you could ask for. Yeah, a big win all the way. Now, someone mentioned during the show that maybe you should have used the name Gronk and I Gronk Shaker. What, what did you did you go back and rethink it? Rethink the name? Did you go back and pick up the URL? You know, what's been behind that? Uh, that's a great question. That was probably the only question I wasn't prepared for. Uh, I'd seen it done in the past where they put my brother's name on different products. And the truth was they never hit the expectations that they thought it would because it really limits who you can sell the product to. Uh, growing up in Buffalo, New York, a Bills fan would not buy a Gronk shaker just because they're a Bills fan. Same with the Dolphins fan. Same with a lot of fans. Uh, so I knew it would actually hurt the company and limit our demographics if I made that the name of the company. Uh, I thought it was a huge mistake by the Sharks. I was surprised that they were drilling me so hard on it and telling me uh, at one point, Mr. Wonderful told me I had to melt down all the current inventory we had to replace it. And uh, to me, I thought that was a massive mistake. There was a very easy solution for that. We came out with a limited edition Gronk shaker uh, right after we aired and it solved that problem. We were able to sell it for more. We were able to give it to the audience base that actually uh, was a fan of uh, of Gronk and, and of my brother and the family. And um, we actually realized really quickly that a lot of people didn't even know uh, what Gronk meant. We had a lot of people that reached out and said, why is the Gronk shaker more expensive? What's the difference? What are the features on it? And we had to explain to them that it's a limited edition bottle uh, that you know, was was using the likeness of my brother. Uh, so with that, we realized really quickly that this audience is there, uh, but that's that's not what we want this company to be based on. We don't want it to win and lose based on how we did in fantasy football that week. Uh, we wanted to make a, a real company out of this, and we have since then. Well, well thought out. I I, I really I really appreciate hearing that answer because I think that's a the right kind of move. And I'm a marketer, so listen. You we always talked about your brothers. You mentioned your dad. I want you to tell me about how much your mother had an influence on you because she seemed like the one. And when I heard your talk that really held the family together and really set the tone. Absolutely. I have four kids now myself and uh, what my mom was able to do with five boys is, is absolutely insane to me uh, yeah. I back on it. She had this massive calendar. She had to write down all the days, all the times of practices uh, without a cell phone. Without yes, like that's that's wild to me. Uh, I could hardly drive down the street to my son's practice without pulling out my phone and checking how to get there. Uh, at this point, so she was traveling all over the place. Physically, couldn't actually be at every single practice or drive us each one. So she had to then plan and figure out a way to get the neighbor or to get the coach to swap with her. Give her one kid. She'll bring them here. They'll bring our other son here, and uh, just absolutely amazing. All while cooking us every single meal. Uh, and making sure that we were fed lunch, breakfast, dinner. Um, we really couldn't afford to eat out. And she couldn't handle bringing us out because we were we were wild. We were absolutely wild. So um, <laughs> my mom also made sure that we did our work every single day, our homework. We got home. We had to actually do our homework before we can go outside and play. Uh, and, and 
you just don't see that, you know, parents, it's, it's so easy to just kind of uh, let them do what they want or hand them an iPad. Uh, we weren't allowed to stay inside. We were supposed to get our homework done. And then it was go outside. You're not watching TV. You're not playing video games. You're getting your energy out. You're going outside and you're playing, you're having fun. That's fantastic. And I understand she used a little wooden spoon from time to time, which is probably you boys needed for more than more, more often than not. Yeah, she had a, a wooden spoon, uh, there's like a hard plastic one, and they all went missing at some point. Uh, we like to hide them where she couldn't find them. Well, well done. And by the way, I think that's what you should sell on the side is that Gronk's wooden spoon by, by from your yeah. mom and she, with a signature on it. And I think that would go well for a lot of people around the country. Hey, Chris, what a pleasure. Success all the way around. Keep it up. I can't. I'd, I'd spend another hour with you, but we don't have the time today. But let's get you back and give us an update. And the best of luck on this uh, this new edition of the NFL. And hopefully, I hope you go for the baseball one, and I hope you go for basketball too. We have that coming as well. I really appreciate you having me on today. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. And it's about teamwork. Chris Gronkowski talked about teamwork on the field, but you need teamwork in the business every single day. And of course, you got to be a great coach. Sometimes you got to be a great captain, but sometimes you got to be a great team player. And that's what I learned when he did that. He saw his business start to increase. We saw the mistakes went down and what happened? The bottom line improved. And that's what you need in a business every single day, especially in tougher times. But even in great times when you're growing a business as fast as he's doing at iShaker. And that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio. Join us again soon. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.